Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. Man, it's powerful. You know, talking about Orphan Sunday is such a powerful Sunday to me. So many families, so many like, lives and kids' lives just completely changed forever. Isn't that powerful? Give God a hand for a church that you're in like that. It's powerful. I was telling uh, first service, when I came in this morning, early this morning, I was walking, and this girl named Lizzie was walking by me. And I don't know if you remember her, but a couple years ago or so, I brought her up here with me, and we did the offering together. She's kind of my partner. I call her my partner. Anyway, she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to, to hear the sermon today. I really wanted to be in there. I said, where are you going to be? She says, I'm going to be teaching the kids in the back. Come on, somebody. Now, she came here as an orphan, but now she's adopted by one of our families. Decent Trish. Give her a hand. She is such a woman of God already. She's already doing some great work, but I can't wait to see what God does for her in the future. So that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So I'm obviously not Pastor Rayleigh. I'm a lot more handsome than he is. I look better than he does. And hey, it's all good. So it's all right. He and I have been friends for many, many years. And so I want to talk to you. I want to continue his series on Kingdom Builders. He started it last week. And some people may say, well, what do you know about it? Well, I know a little bit. Um, it's about finance. And I've been over the finance of Calvary for 22 years. I own my own business for 25 years. I know a little bit about it, amen? So I'm gonna tell you what, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you right now. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, God, that you bring the word alive into the lives of your people. And God, I pray that when they leave this place, they take it with them and apply it to their lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. So the title of my message this morning is Believe the Word. Very simple, believe the word. In order to to get what we need to out of the Word of God, we have to actually believe it is true. The Bible's not going to work in your life if you don't believe what it says. And you believe by it says by putting it into action. That's the way the kingdom works. You know, I've got this thing that, that I say a lot of people around hear me say it all the time. If I hear something I'm not so sure about, I will always go, well, I don't know about that. That means I'm not so sure about that, right? But there's many times that pastors have been in the, in the pulpit and you've maybe walked by and they've heard, you've heard they said something and all of a sudden you go, oh, I don't know about that. Well, just because you don't know about that means probably you need to get inside the Word and find out about that, right? Because you need to understand what the Word of God says so you can apply it to your life. Because the reason you do is because sometimes it is difficult. The reason we may say we don't know about that because it is a little difficult to understand. Because it is not the way in which we live today in our society. In the, in the world in which we live today, you know, seeing is believing. If I see it, I'll believe it, right? But in God's kingdom, it's a little bit different. Believing is seeing. So that means you've got to step out on ah, faith, right? You've got to step out on faith, not knowing if you're going to land on this thing or not. Because you're stepping out on what God tells you to do. And you're going by his word, even though sometimes you may not even fully understand it. You're stepping out on faith about it. So it's really up to us if the Word of God works in our life because it's determined by what we believe. If you believe it and you put it into practice, then it will work. If it's just words on a page, it may not. So sometimes we may be thinking, well, why doesn't it work for me? 
because maybe it's just words on the page. We've got to put those things into action. But today I'm telling you this. God desires for you to be blessed. You understand? Does anybody agree with me on that? Shake it right. Let's clap your hands and say, I agree that God desires for me to be blessed. Because he does. Now, blessed means that you have to go through the process that God has laid out before you. Many people are not blessed because they're not following the process. They're not following the kingdom principles that are laid in place. To my kingdom builders, you have to build through a system that God lays in place. It's not our system, it's God's system, right? So growing up in a small town like I did in a small country church, there was something, I didn't understand what it was then, but I understand now, it's called the poverty mentality. You ever heard of the poverty mentality? Back in the day, I'm telling you something, the poorer someone was, my God, the closer they were to God. Oh, God, I'm so poor. I know you're right with me. And they were so proud about that. Then they would also be judgmental to look with someone that comes in, had a little bit of money. They had a little bit of prosperity over their life. And they look at them and snub their nose and say, oh, they must not be doing something right. You know, they, they, they got all this money because, you know, money is the root of all evil. Does the word say that really? So they get confused. That's not what it says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So you got to understand, even as a little kid, I didn't really understand in my mind that concept because even as a kid, I understood that God uses people, right? So if God uses people, that means somebody's got to be blessed. Somebody has to be blessed in order for God to use them. And that's what I began to understand, even as I grow up and as I learn more, that God needs people blessed. Now, what does blessed mean? There's a process to it. For instance, as a little kid, I was blessed because at 12 years old, I worked on Saturdays at a, a veterinarian. I just cleaned the kennels and stuff like that. Then I went out. I used to go in the summers and go with my dad who ran a Pepsi truck. And back in the day, in the summers, I went, my main job was to get the returnable bottles. Has anybody ever heard of a returnable bottle besides me? Okay. So there's a lot of them back then. Our truck was full of drinks going out and full of returnables coming back. So it was a lot of work. You know, I was, I'm small now, but I was really small back then. So those stacks of bottles were over my head. I couldn't even hardly reach the top because there were so many of them. But I learned the concept of a work ethic. So between my mom and dad, my dad teaching me a strong work ethic, my mom teaching me a strong belief in God, which she, uh, my mom put that all up in me. I couldn't get it out. That's a good thing, right? So she put that up in me. Then I, I began to understand that it took both. It took the belief in God and it took a strong work ethic. Now, some people may be here today or by live stream and say, but I wasn't brought up that way. I, I, I really wasn't taught that. I, I didn't have that benefit. But I'm telling you, wherever you are, there's always a time to start, right? So we don't look back and judge people. We don't point at people, but they this or they that. No, you can't control they. Everybody's got something to talk about they, don't they? You can't control they, but you can control you right? So you don't compare yourself to someone else because you know, maybe I didn't get the benefit that he had, but I'm going to take it from this day forward and I'm going to walk in God's blessings over my life. And that's the way it works. Now, so here's the thing. I believe that we must give God something to bless, right? We've got to give him something to bless. You know, we, we can't just sit around and do nothing and just sit on the couch and maybe you're even an intercessor and you're a great prayer warrior and you're on the couch and you're bed on your knees and you're praying, God, bless me and you're just pouring out your heart but then as soon as you get through praying you sit on the couch and turn the tv back on 
It doesn't work that way, right? I believe that God looks down at us and says, buddy, you gotta give me something to bless, right? You gotta do something where I can bless you. So we have to do our part, and then God promises he will do what? He will do his part. And that's the way it works in the kingdom, right? So we have to put God and do our part. At the end of the day, how you are blessed will be determined by how much you believe the word of God. Do you really believe what it says is true? So now what we're going to do, that's just my introduction. I want to talk to you about three different things, just three points. If you got notes, it's really easy to take on three points of the things that I believe you need to understand about the Word of God. Number one, everything belongs to God. Everything. Everything. We must understand that everything belongs to God. Now, some people say, I busted my behind for what I got. You better be careful. Okay, because in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18 says this, but remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms in his covenant, which he swore to his forefathers as it is today. Forgetting that, forgetting that God is the source of your blessing and prosperity is a really dangerous place to be. It really is. Because sometimes we can get to the point where we say, I got this. Right, I got this. That's a dangerous place to be because if you turn around and say, I got this, God may walk away and say, okay, if you got this, you're on your own, buddy. The last place you want to be is on your own. And that's what happens sometimes. You know, that's what I thought about that. And I thought, why is so many people think they got to be in the gutter or they got to be in the, in the trenches or they got to be flat broke to give their heart to God? You don't have to be. Some people, unfortunately, have to get there, but you don't have to be. I graduated from college, and I got a real good job. I had, you know, a good job, good money, good everything, and I didn't really, quote, unquote, need God. I thought, because I didn't need the money, but you know what I realized? Something kept digging in my heart. It was my mother praying for me, but something was digging in my heart, right? And I knew something was not right, right? I see some mamas out there, and you said, how about my son, right? Let's claim it over him, okay? Because the thing about it is, I was that way. I remember one time I was in a, a straight-up club in Tampa, Florida, about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I going crazy and all, and then I was standing by myself, and I, I promise you, I just stood there and go, what am I doing? I mean, what am I doing? And it was, it was, again, it was that tug on my heart. So I wasn't in a bad place. I was in a bad place, but not monetarily. So I got to the point that I said, God, I've got to put you first in my life. And all those things that I was trained and talked to about in the past began to come to fruition in my life. So now let's move to 1 Chronicles 29 and 11. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. One of the big misconceptions in the Bible today that 10% of what you have belongs to God. A lot of people think that. They think that 10% of what you have belongs to God. But to fully understand God's plan and comprehend it for your life, you must understand that 100% of everything that you have belongs to God. I'm talking about your family. A lot of people want to give your kids to God. I know I need, sometimes I need to. You give your kids to God, but they're all His your resources, everything you have belongs to God. So you are only a steward or only a manager of what he has given you. And you, and here's the thing, you are responsible for that. 
You're responsible to be a good steward of a good manager. You see, sometimes we get so caught up in the law, but we got to understand the concept of the 100%, not the 10%. So as we handle money and things to that effect, what we have in our hands will determine what we do with it will determine how much we trust God. God's watching how we handle what he puts in our hands. And it will also depend on what God trusts us with in the future. Think about it. If he puts something in your hands and it's not handled properly, it may change what he puts in your hands in the future, right? So can God trust you with what he has already given you? Can he trust? And this is the question you have to ask yourself. Can God trust you what he has already given you? Many people are looking, looking for God to give them more. God, I need more. God, I need more. And I always look at, I always think of God a little bit different. I look at him looking down going, My, you've already squandered away what I already give you. Why do you want me to give you more? Fix what I've given you first, and then I'll give you more, right? To be blessed. The Bible tells us in Luke 16, verse 10 and 11, he who is faithful in what is least, come on, somebody, is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to trust the true riches? So there it lies right there. He's looking for somebody to trust. God wants to bless you. He desires to bless you. So what he's got to say is, can I trust this person if I put something in their hands? Because what God's looking for is someone that's like, I call it the River Jordan, that's constantly flowing. The Jordan River is constantly flowing, which means God can put stuff in your hands. And yeah, you're going to be blessed in the process for sure, right? But also, he said, I need you to bless this person. I need you to give to this missions. I need you to give to accelerate. And you know what I'm saying? You're going to listen to his voice. Not, every, not everything's your thing, but God's going to talk to you about what's your voice. What are, what, God, what would you have me do, right? And so other people and other things are going to be blessed in the process, but it just keeps flowing. It doesn't stop. You know, God owns everything, so it doesn't stop. It's like, oh, he's, that's all he's got left. He can't give me any more. No, it just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. But what God does not like is that he plants something in your life and blesses you, and it's like the Dead Sea. What does pastor say about the Dead Sea? Doesn't get any deader than dead. Anything that goes into the Dead Sea dies. So here's the thing. If something's given to you, don't let it die in your hands. Let it flow through what God has called you to do and flow through you. Now, be faithful what God has already committed to you, and then you can turn to God in expectancy, right? In expectancy that he has a blessing for you. And that's how it works. He has a blessing for you. Here's the thing. Givers attract God. That's just that simple. Sometimes people don't want to hear that, but it's honest truth. Givers attract God. When your heart, because God, remember, God judges the very thoughts and the attitudes of our heart, right? So here's the thing. When your heart is to give, it magnetizes God to you. God goes, man, I finally found somebody I can trust right? I'm going to use this person like crazy because I can trust them. So it's not what we can do because a lot of things, if God gives me this, I'll do this and I'll do that. No, no, no. It's not what we can do. It's what God can do through you, right? He's using you as a conduit. He's using you as a conduit to say, I can trust him again. I can trust him again. I can trust him again, right? And that's what we're looking at. 
So the next thing is this, God must be first, right? God must be first. Matthew 6 and 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Like I said before, many times people will say, well, I give my family to you, my kids, my business, my life, my this and my that. But when it comes to your resources, you go, eh, not so much, right? We've got to give it all to God. Second Chronicles 31 and 6 says this, and the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of the holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord, their God, they laid in heaps. So the word holy, what does it mean? Consecrated, separated, and dedicated. Consecrated, separated, and dedicated. Understand that God has always blessed and provided for his children, but he always asked them to hold something back. Okay, it started all in the very beginning. Look at Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Anything here you can have, God said. Whatever you want, whatever you want to do, everything's here except this one thing, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just don't mess with that. But everything else you can have, or the first fruits, or the firstborn, or the tithe. He says, now hold that back for me. Everything else you can have. Because the tithe is talked about in the Old Testament, many people believe that tithe is all about the law. I don't have to do that. I mean, come on. I had a friend of mine way back, and he, um, he was faithful, man, like crazy. He was just faithful, giving. And then one day, he went to some Bible study. Bible study. And he come back, and he called me. Hey, Troy, listen here. I found out something. I said, what's that? He said, I went to this Bible study, and you know what I found out? I said, what? He goes, the, the tithe is in the law, the Old Testament. We don't have to do that anymore. I said, for real? What Bible study are you going to, bro? He's like, no, we don't have to do that anymore. I was like, oh, okay. But remember this. Abraham, who was the father of us all, right? He tithed to Melchizedek. That's the whole sermon, guys. But it's a type of Christ. It's what Melchizedek is. And 400 years before the law was ever given. 400 years. And so did Jacob. 400 years. So if that's the case, why did Abraham tithe? The reason that Abraham tithed is because to Abraham, the tithe was holy. The tithe was already God's, and the tithe was holy. Matter of fact, it took it one step further. Melchizedek, because keep in mind, Abraham was like super, 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 super rich, like super rich. If you, didn't like, if you don't like rich people, you would sure not like Abraham, okay? He had massive amounts of money and resources. But here's the thing. He, he tithed, and he tithed to Melchizedek, and he said, here's my tithe. It was so much tithe that Melchizedek said, hey, 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 I, I can't take all this. Uh, you you got to keep some of it. Do you know how Abraham responded? It's in Genesis 14 and 23. He said that he could not even take a thread or a shoe lather of that tithe. He goes, I'm not taking none of it. That's not mine. You're going to have to find something to do with it, but it's not mine. To me, the tithe is holy. It's God's. So you figure that out. That's not my job, but I'm not going to keep any of it. That's how important the tithe was to Abraham. And when you understand that the tithe is holy, you will know when you keep it that you may become defiled because the tithe is defiled. Now, here's the point. This gets to a difficult position because some people right here goes, oh my goodness, 
He's back in Malachi. Why do these preachers always go to Malachi? They always want to talk about being under a curse and all that stuff. That's what they always want to talk about. I say, you know what? Here's the way I look at that. Why do people read the Bible and stop with the negative? Why, why can't they just keep reading? You know, why do they read and go, oh, that's bad, so I'm stopping. But then, if you're looking at it, you stopped at Malachi 3 and 9. But if you would have just kept reading, do you know what it says? But when you do tithe, I'm going to open up the windows in heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you cannot even contain. I said, oh, I like that part better, right? Why did I stop? I like that part better. I can do that, right? But then in verse 11, this is my favorite part, right? In verse 11, it says, and God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Keep in mind, your sake. And the devil shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Okay, now. A lot of times we always talk about stuff. Oh, the preacher, he gonna get rich. We give money to the preacher. We give money to the church. No, no, no. That's not what that says. It says you. When you tithe, you are gonna be protective. Your stuff. The devourer can't touch your stuff. That's why many people they say, "Man, I started tithing." I, I can't tell you the number of people who's told me this out in the lobby or in the halls. I started tithing, and man, my money just seems to go further. I said, "Oh, really? Right? The devourer's off of their stuff." Of course it's going to go further, you know? And that's the way it works, that it does that. A friend of mine, even actually in this church, he's in Texas right now, but he, he told me, we were talking about this same topic, and he said to me, you know what, Troy, how I see that? You know all those wineries and stuff out in California? They have all these rolling, these massive rolling fields of be beautiful, plump grapes. And it's like the harvest. When you're looking out there, you're looking at the harvest. I thought about that, and I go, you know what, that's true. I said, because if you go to the store and you buy you some grapes, and man, the first thing you want to do before you put them up is pick the biggest, nicest, most plump grape off, you know, and eat it. But you take it, and all of a sudden it falls, and it falls under the refrigerator. And you're like, oh, I couldn't take another one. Why has it got to take that one, right? But here's the thing. Not a single grape of your harvest will be touched because the devourer will be rebuked off of your stuff. That's how serious it is. And you got to understand, by me saying this, you might say, oh, that sounds good. Oh, that's awesome. Let me tell you something. This is the Word of God. This is how it really works. And if you want to step under His blessing and the prosperity, because prosperity, I'm, the people have such deluded that word that even if you hear the word prosperity nowadays, oh my Lord, there that prosperity preacher is in the prosperity gospel. I can't believe they don't own the word prosperity. God owns the word prosperity, okay? And when you walk in the Bible the way in which God commanded, then God says, I will prosper you. Again, there's a process to the way God lays it out, okay? It's not about naming and claiming, right? It's about following the process of the word of God. So you see, we are worried about the 10%, but we must understand that giving the 10% redeems the rest and helps us to do things more for God. Our responsibility is to plant the seed, and it's God's responsibility to protect the seed. God's gonna protect it to make it go where it needs to go. Have you ever thought that, you know, you don't really know what's going on in your life and you can't figure it out? But maybe you go, oh man, I haven't put God at first. I haven't been doing that. Could that have something to do with it? Guess what, it could, right? Begin to put God first and you'll find things begin to turn around in your life. The third thing is this. Living beyond the tithe. Does anybody want to live beyond the tithe? 
Wouldn't it be awesome to live beyond the tithe? Okay. If you really believe that, let's get into it a little bit. Living beyond the tithe. So Jesus brought us a better covenant. Hebrews 8 and 6 says this, but now he has attained a more excellent ministry. There's so much is also a mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. I recently read in Numbers, and Moses exhorted people to obey all that God told them to do. Over and over again, he repeated God's promised blessings over their life. However, in order to receive those blessings would depend on their obedience. A process. Their obedience. The key to God's blessing is taking a step of faith and being obedient to the Word of God. When you walk in faith and obedience... You won't have to worry about the blessings because Deuteronomy uh, 28 and 2 says that the blessings will do what? Go running after you, right? Anybody want any blessings to go run after them? Again, it's a process. You've got to believe and act upon your belief and obedience. So to tie this all together, the Old Testament was not done away with, but rather became a fulfillment of the law by Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled it, which means he's the ultimate bridge builder. Boom. Between the Old and New Testament. Jesus is the bridge builder to bring a new and better covenant. Now, that doesn't mean the Old Testament is completely done away with. Now, we don't have to do the food and the this and that. But the basic principles, promises, and blessings of the Old Testament, because of Jesus, flows through to us in the New Testament. I want those blessings. I want those blessings. And I hope you want them as well as they flow through us. Now, as we begin to do this, it changes our access to God completely. Because now, because of Jesus, now we have direct connect. I call it a direct connect. You might want a direct connect. We have a direct connect to the Father. Because Jesus gave us that ability to be able to do that. Because Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. Now, Matthew 5 and 20 says this, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will no means enter the kingdom of heaven. People always talk about how we live under grace, not under the law. This is true, but Jesus explains that living under grace actually means that we are held to a higher standard, not a lower one. See, my friend was happy because he didn't think he had the tithe anymore, so therefore he went to a lower standard. That's not what Jesus says. He said, we're going we're to hold you to a higher standard. He said, he said this, Forget about being bound by the law. What we're going to do, what does the scripture say? We're going to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. That's what the scripture says. We're going to exceed it. We're going to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Let's give an example. Old Testament. We shall not murder. New Testament. Don't be angry with your brother without cause, or you will be in danger of judgment. Which one's tougher? Old or new? Old Testament. You shall not commit adultery. New. Whenever... Whenever you even look at a woman with lust, you have already committed that in your heart. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is not calling us to a lower place. He is calling us to a higher place. Now, people want to say, well, you know, I'd rather live in the New Testament because, let me, I was telling Anderson this morning the story about the rich young ruler. You ever heard about the rich young ruler in the Bible? The rich young ruler was a scribe, Pharisee. He followed all the rules and regulations. So Jesus walked up to him. Hey, do you follow this rule? Do you follow this? I, he was so proud of himself. Yes, I do, Jesus. I follow it to the T. I do this and that. I do everything. Jesus said, okay, that's cool. So why don't you go and sell everything you have and come follow me? What happened? He said, uh-oh. Turned around and walked away because he had too much wealth. He couldn't do it. 
See, Jesus calls us to a higher standard, not a lower standard. Now let's look at a different guy, Zacchaeus. I used to say, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I sang that in church. So he climbed up in this tree, right? He was a tax collector. He was just trying to see what's up. Kind of a short man like me, they say. And just trying to figure out what's going on. So when Jesus came by, he did what? He looked up in the tree. So he said, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house for dinner. Oh, my goodness. You're talking about making people mad. Because he just, Jesus just broke the rules. He's not supposed to go to anybody's house as a sinner. But he did anyway. He went there, and they served him. Matthew put him first. He laid out the red carpet for him. He did everything. Jesus talked to him about his life, and, and, and Matthew ended up giving his life solely to Jesus. Now, keep in mind, look at the difference in the two guys. Matthew just got his heart right. Jesus didn't tell him to do anything. Think about it. He, Matthew looked at Jesus and said, you know what? If I, if I'm going to tell you something, half of what I get, I'm giving to the poor. And then if I've ripped anybody off, I'm going to pay them back four times as much. See, Matthew's heart was right. And Jesus said, welcome, my brother. Right? And that's the way it works. When we work in the New Testament, we are held to a higher standard, not a lower standard. And we must keep that in mind. So if we're not, if we're not blessed in life, then we're, we have a belief problem. We don't have a money problem or a prosperity problem or a blessing problem. We have a belief problem that we don't believe the word of God. All right, now, so if we're going to know God's power, provision, and prosperity, then we must believe the word of God. You must believe that 100% of everything belongs to God. Anybody believe that? Okay. You must believe God is a rewarder of those who diligently, diligently put him first. You believe that? Okay. Next thing, you must believe that the tithe is holy. If Abraham believed it, we should certainly believe it, right? The tithe is holy. And we must believe that victory comes in the giving, not in the getting. Okay? Because what Jesus did, he brought us in a position, what I call this is, as he was at Bridge Builder I told you about, he brought us in a position no longer of I have to do this or I have to do that. He brought us from have to to get to. I get to do this. I get to do that. So when it's time to give, you should be excited. I get to be a part. I get to be a part of blessing someone as God blesses me, right? I get to be a part. It's an exciting time when you get to be a part. So I want to ask our ushers to get ready because I want to bring this thing to a close. Simply put, being faithful to God is a key to walking in supernatural provision right? You want to walk in supernatural provision, be faithful and be obedient to what God says. When the children of Israel had, some people think, well, they just had this special formula, a blessing over their life. Not really. They had a covenant relationship with God. And that's the difference. There's no special formula. A lot of times we're looking for a special formula of how to get blessed. It's not. Just have a covenant relationship and obey the word of God. And do what it says. And that's the thing. How do we know? I tell my son, He'll, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I said, well, do it, son. Don't talk about it. Do it. And I believe sometimes that God looks down at us and says, son, daughter, do it. Stop talking about it and do it. Because we believe it when we do it. When we step out in faith and walk in faith with that. Go ahead, go ahead buddy. So here's the thing. They knew that when they believe God and act upon his word, then God would do exactly what he promised. God's going to do his part. See, a lot of times we're worried about God doing his part. Don't worry about God. He got that, right? We have to do our part. And we have those same promises today. 
if only we would just act on them. When we give our tithe and offering, we're entering into a relationship with God. We're saying, God, I trust you. I'm being obedient. It may even hurt me right now. I don't know what I'm going to do, but God, I trust that you're going to take care of me as I put you first. As we put our trust and belief in action, and like I said before in Deuteronomy, we don't have to go searching for a blessing. The blessing is going to run after us. Now, this is just Bible that I'm talking about. I'm not making anything up. Number one, I'm not making anything up. Number two, I live this. My wife and I actually live this out. This church that you're sitting in through 22 years, we live this out. There was a time, Pastor Ellie's told you the story in the beginning, way early, early on when we had like no money, where we had saved up enough money for our mortgage payment, and we had a little bit more to pay our bills, and Tommy Barnett came and preached in the old building, and he talked about the Dream Center in L.A., and what all the things they were doing, and pastor came to me. He said, Troy, I believe that God wants us to give all that we have. So almost like, it was almost like $25,000. Give all that we have to the Dream Center, and God's going to take care of us. Of course, I said, hey, bro, I'm in agreement. Here's the thing. In the natural, that didn't make any sense. It really didn't. You talking about stepping on faith? I'm stepping out way out there where Pastor Josh is because we did, what are we going to do? We can't pay the mortgage. We're not going to be able to pay our light bill. We're going to be in the dark next week. We couldn't think about all those things because if that's what God wants us to do, he's, I think God was basically saying, I'm going to see if these guys believe the word or not. I'm going to see if these guys believe what they're preaching every Sunday. So we did it. We added missionaries and we had no money to add missionaries. We did it. And as we did, there wasn't a time that God didn't come through with a blessing for this ministry. Amen? So, your blessings, and this is what I'll close with, your blessings may not come when you want them to come. See, that's the problem. Because we want things to happen when we want them to happen. We say, God, I'm going to give, and I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to serve in the church, and I'm going to do my part. But I need you to fix this. And I need you to fix it like right now. It's a problem. And then maybe some time goes by and it's not fixed. Do you stop believing? I mean, I've got some things that I've been praying about a long time for my son. Hadn't happened yet. But I'm not going to stop believing. See what I'm saying? Am I going to stop? If I were to stop, then I'm going to be the biggest hypocrite on the planet for standing here to tell you to do something I won't do myself. Pastor Josh just went through that. For around seven years, he had a promise. He had a promise that he was going to have a child. Year after year after year went by. No child. Other people were getting pregnant, other friends. He had to walk around and put on that, basically a fake smile. He was happy with them, but he would go home and say, how about me, God? Didn't you promise me? What's going on? God, you promised me. I'm happy for them, but what have I done? Sometimes we even think that we do things wrong. What have I done? But it wasn't the appointed time. And then one day came, like last Friday, for instance, 
I went to Pastor Josh and Natasha's child's second birthday party, right? So what happened was, through one of the people in our church, God put this child, basically from my neck of the woods where I live, put this child who was one year old, who needed a family, put Josh and Natasha there. They closed that adoption faster than I've ever seen any adoption close in my life. Do you know why? Because it was God's appointed time for Pastor Josh and Natasha. Hey, hey, but not only that, for that child, right? That child's name is Jocelyn. You will see her in the front just dancing herself. She's already got it in her already, right? Dancing herself because that was God's appointed time. I think of our time in Orlando when for seven years we, we looked for building after building after building and land after land after land, and we thought we had it. Fell through. Thought we had it. Fell through. Oh, that's God's will. Fell through. Oh, that's God's will. Fell through. Now, you're going to say I'm not spiritual. I'm about to tell you the truth, okay? But I always try to be honest and straightforward. There are times that I, after one of those experiences, I, I, I talk to God. I say, hey, God, what's going on? Do you not want anything for us? Are we off track? Or why don't you want? You said you were going to give us something, but everything that we do falls apart. So what's going on, God? Do you know what you're doing? I'm lucky, I'm lucky he didn't slap me, right? But do you not know what you're doing? I mean, think about it. We're human, right? But then, a few months ago, something come up. Crazy. It's popped up. It was, it was actually on the market before, and we, we didn't even get it. And it come back up, and we, we did what we could do, right? We put a bid in. The guy accepted our bid. Whoa, we got a first got our. But then the guy calls and he says, okay, guys, I'm going to let you have that property. But I need you to close it in 30 days. How can you get $3.1 million in 30 days and get it approved by a bank and get it and close it in 30 days? How do you do that? Well, but God, we did it. Amen? Now, See, you know why that went so fast and so easy? I mean, literally, I was telling Anderson, those guys, I'm like, this seems too good to be true. There's no problems. There's no issues. What in the world's going on here? Why? Because it was God's appointed time, right? So I say all that, and somebody needs to check their heart right now. Because you may be saying, well, God, you haven't come for me. I've been giving, and I've been doing it, and I've been serving. You haven't come for me. Maybe, maybe God's waiting for your appointed time. Because I'm telling you something. God may be take a while sometimes, but reality, he's always right on time, right? He's always right on time because he knows what's going on. Because sometimes, I mean, even with that, I looked at Jeremy and I go, you know what, buddy? He said, what? I said, I guess God knew what he was doing after all, didn't he? Because we're on a piece of property on a road that's got 49,000 cars a day that go by it and got in a place that we could afford. So God knows more than we do. So I ask you to simply trust him, all right? Simply trust him. So as you give today, as you prepare your giving, those of you who are live stream, some of you, this may not even be your church. You know, maybe you go to other churches, but you want to plant a seed. You can do that. You can do it today. You can plant a seed. You know, those of you today, some of you, you know, you have been tithing. And I say, keep on doing. Maybe you need to plant an extra seed today. And others say, well, I haven't started yet. Guess what? It's not too late. You've got to start sometime. No time like the present. 
as you say, now I understand. I don't have an excuse anymore. I understand and I know, and I'm going to put God first. I know it's also Mission Sunday. Many, many of you give your missions giving this, this, this day. Uh, you can give on our, on our text by putting missions as well. You can put in missions. And many of we have our toy drive coming up, and a lot of you like to give toward that. You can use the keyword toys there. So whichever way you want to give, whatever God lays on your heart. See, that's the thing. We present the opportunity, but God lays on your heart what he would have you do, right? We don't control that. God controls that part, and I'm glad. Because if God controls it, I know we're going to be taken care of. So whatever God puts on your heart today, all I ask is just step out in faith. Step out and do what God's asked you to do. Is that cool with you? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you today. God, we thank you for your opportunity to be able to, to allow us to give. God, as this word was put out, God, I pray that it pierces the heart of your people. They take it to heart. They even go home and read the word for themselves. And God, they begin to move forward in the blessing and prosperity that you told them that was theirs. And I thank you right now for touching and blessing your people. In Jesus' name. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Calvary, you can give online at calvaryfl.com or you can use our app. We hope this message encouraged you to experience the Spirit, embrace the lost, and live the life. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you soon.